Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. If it is your first time, yeah, I am Maria and uh, a very warm welcome on this cold day. Um, Kiddies Church, we want to announce the Kiddies Church going, I'm not sure with who, with Jess, enjoy. Awesome. First, I thought Vian wanted to tell me some wisdom. <laughs> no, thanks, Vian. Awesome. So we are carrying on from um, Colossians for those who were here uh, last week. Um, Vian started. We, we are starting a series um, of going through the book of Colossians. Um, we are basically seeing why it is written, how it is written, and going through each part of Colossians. So I want to maybe give us a bigger picture Um, but before we do that let's just close our eyes and pray yeah lord we yeah we thank you lord that we now that we can always you know just come boldly before you and you know just grow thank you that it is your heart for us lord to grow it is your will for us to to be sanctified and that it is us lord that is you know, mostly standing in the way and like he still also shared Lord you know, help us help us to to open our hearts Lord to what you want to show us out of this amazing book Lord you know, thank you that even if we we do not see it that you are working Lord you know, we just want to declare Lord that you deserve the glory Lord like this song sang Lord thank you, you know, that you that you died for us on the cross. Now we, we want to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So, to give a bit of a fuller picture of the book of Colossians. So, we're gonna, so I'm going to start with the writer. So, Paul wrote this book of Colossians. And um, the book of Colossians um, was originally um, written um, about 60 years AD. Um, Epaphras was the guy who planted this church and he also he came back um, and he told Paul about all of the problems that there is in this um, in this church. So there were basically a lot of um, just call it lies but anti-truths they call it um, small half-truths sown into this church and Paul is writing this book as the medicine for the sick church basically so also tonight before we carry on I want you to put on your your Bible school hat we are going to do some teaching um, the, this um, specific part that we are going to read from um, it entails a bit of the doctrine of Jesus it's also our um, the supremacy of Jesus which is um, what the part is about so 
Paul is basically writing the book of Colossians for this sick church. Okay, and there's an infection in the body of Christ, and he's basically giving some good medicine, some antibiotics, like we all take when we are sick. Okay, so I'm going to just go through a few of the problems, of the heresies, of the half-truths, whatever you want to call it, um, that Colossians encountered, and we are going to focus on one of them tonight. The first one is Jewish legalism. Okay, it's not on the board, but it's basically when there was new converts accepting the gospel, and they were still used to the old Jewish ways of doing things, whether it was... um, ceremonies or festivals or not eating certain types of meat or whatever it may be there was a legalistic aspect and Paul is obviously addressing that that Jesus has come and he, he brought some new things now he brought the gospel okay the second second thing that he uh, included in the book was um, the Greek philosophies so the Greeks liked to play around with mysteries and if you can solve this kind of mystery you have an advantage somehow spiritually which also Paul gave the medicine for nothing that we can do eh, but by grace we have been saved nothing that we can achieve higher than anyone else but doing the will of God eh? then another one is asceticism which is a a form of trying to live perfect also um, denying yourself from pleasures or normal activities hoping to get an advantage as well or uh, being high, more spiritual than someone else eh? also a lie the fourth one the, they, they, there was also some tradition of worshipping angels or beings they, they saw God as this holy God and that he cannot interact with us with people and therefore there's some kind of being in between us and God which they worshipped which we see in a lot of um, beliefs nowadays. And then the big one is Jesus uh, being a half-God or a semi-Christ, which is obviously not the truth. Amen? And that's what we are going to focus on tonight, this piece of scripture, Colossians 1, from, from verse 15 to 23, is one of the most beautiful passages describing the full fullness of Jesus being God. He was fully God, yet fully man. So the immune system, the, the medicine that he gave was simple. The first one was, we are justification by faith alone. Amen? Not by anything else, like Ephesians 2 says. Not by any works that we can do, but by believing in the one that died for us. The second one is the authority of scripture. There was also a big attack um, that scripture was not, not everything of scripture was from God, which is a lie. It says that everything in scripture is God-breathed, every word. So the authority of scripture, he also gives some medicine for that. And then the last one, the deity of Jesus Christ. The deity is him being God. He was fully God. And we're going to focus on, on that one tonight, and this is probably the strongest statement of the supremacy of Jesus anywhere found in Scripture. So maybe just before we carry on, 
just maybe give her a bit of a reflection. How do you see Jesus? There where you sit. When you think of this guy, Jesus, eh? which is God, which made you for him. Eh? He made you for him, for his glory. We see you deserve the glory. That's what we're singing. You are worthy of it all. If you look at Jesus and you look at your life, you maybe look at how you spend your time, how you spend your money, how you operate at work. It all shows something of your belief of Jesus. Like Vian also beautifully shared, when we believe a certain thing about God, we will live out it in a certain way. If, if you be, really truly believe in him, you will have hope. It's one of the examples that he used. Okay, and how do you live out your life when you think of Jesus? So for, from tonight, we are going to learn who, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? What did he do? Now, then we are also going to discover who am I? So if I'm asking you, who are you? Then give me your name. But who are you? Ne? And why am I here? Why am I sitting here? It's important questions. We're going to discover and go a bit deeper into that. If you think of, of Jesus, do you maybe think of he's, he's only involved when I go to church? Maybe you think that he's, he's only here when, when I'm entering this building. Maybe you feel, and it's maybe part of um, religion as well, dead, dead religion, but maybe you feel that you are a chosen generation, which is not the case. Now we, 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 are, we are justified by faith alone. We may grew up in a way that we thought, oh, I'm a Christian, and that's how it is. And great for me, I go to heaven. But just to reflect upon that, that's not what the Bible says. Now. Okay, so let's jump into Colossians 1. And we are going to go through each of these verses nice and slow. And I want to obviously, um, I really want to encourage us. We are going to go through this book of Colossians for quite a while. Go and read up on it. Go and read Colossians 1 this week um, and read more about it. Um, just to hear us talk about it, you won't get the full, full picture of it. It's very special. Okay, so let's read. From verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, speaking about Jesus. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, 
doing evil deeds. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If, important to see that if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So here we can clearly see the big picture. Jesus is everything. He's the beginning, he's the end, he's the alpha, and he's the omega. So let's start from verse, fifth, from verse 15. We're going to go through each of these verses one by one. I'm going to read it again for us. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. He is the image of the invisible God. When Jesus is speaking in John 14, he also says, Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Remember that? We talked about it a few months ago, speaking to Philip. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And sometimes when we think of that picture, we might see a father and a son. And we might see this some resemblance. They might, maybe they walk the same. Maybe they, they dress the same. But they're not quite the same. But Jesus and God is exactly the same. It's something we sometimes don't give Jesus the full credit. We maybe see them as, as, as different. They're three in one, the Holy Spirit together. The ex- exact representi- representative of who Jesus, of who God is. Then it says just after that, he's the image of the invisible God, which also Paul is here focusing on everything that is visible is not God. He is the only image. He is the image. Nothing else. Also focusing on in those days, um, even today, it looks different a bit, but they got carved images which they worshipped, which was visible gods. It says he is the image of the invisible God. So, now we know that God is invisible, and just to reflect upon that as well, is there things that are visible in your life that you are making, maybe putting above God, above Jesus, maybe too important, maybe worshipping, because we see that, that God is invisible. Alright, so the second part of this verse, this, this verse is quite loaded. The firstborn of all creation, which may sound a bit contradictive. Is he he now born of all creation? Is he from the beginning then if it says that he is born? So let's explain that a bit. It is quite important. I, I went quite deep into this one. I wanted to understand it myself. But here it is saying when Paul was was speaking and writing about the firstborn he was referring back in the old in the old days the firstborn got the double portion and he was a very special child ne? so this is what God is saying he's saying that this is, a, is my beloved son when Jesus was baptized he also said that this is my beloved son he he's my favorite this is what God is saying with this firstborn term he did not come into existence 
when born. Amen. He was there from the beginning. Okay, it's important. It referred to his preeminence. So first reason why this is important. He is he's God. He is not part of what he created. So it won't make sense. Now if you look in our if you just go and open your ESV study Bible and you, you, you read the notes below, it says that it would be wrong to think physical about this firstborn. Okay, so and we also see it's a very important um, you know, to to let scripture interpret scripture and not see one verse alone and interpret something. Okay, so here we, see, we also see that they say that God was from the beginning. Okay. Also this word of, he was the firstborn of all creation. That word of is almost as if I'm saying you are the coach of the rugby team. Okay, that word of, it does not mean that you are part of the rugby team. That firstborn is, is saying that you are special over creation. Okay, that's what it means, okay? So, just to also give to another two points, in John 8.58, Jesus is saying to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus said to, to the Jews, it's not on the, there it is. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, it's the bottom one. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am, and we all remember the I am statement eh? in, ex- in Exodus, where God is speaking from the bush, I am. Eh? It's, it's a deity, I am. And then in verse 59 in John, they wanted to throw him with, with stones. They wanted to kill him, because he's basically saying that I am God, because I was there before Abraham. Important, so he was there from the beginning. Another one is verse 89. God speaks about David. I found David, my servant, with my sacred oil I have anointed him. And then in verse 27 it says, And I will appoint him to be my firstborn, my beloved son, eh? the most exalted of the kings of the earth. God was, uh, David was not firstborn from anything. He was the last son, I think, of Jesse. So it was, it, it's not about born, but it's about he is special. I will exalt him. Okay, everybody with some doctrine. Okay, from verse 16, let's read. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. This all things, it's a Greek word, a very, it was a popular Greek word, Greek word which meant everything in the universe. Okay, so he created everything in the universe. And this is where the question is answered, where we are, when I ask, who am I? Okay, this, is, this, this should determine my answer. God created you for him. He created you specific, specifically, so with your talents, with your gifts, for him to give him the glory. That's why you are here. Why are you here? Because I need to give Jesus the glory. 
And does it feel to you when you think of your life? Are you busy giving Jesus the glory for everything that you are doing? That's why you are here in the first place. And if we think about that, it, it makes us exciting. It makes us think, wow, I should live differently, amen? Because I'm made for this, for Jesus. He made me. You, you may have a skill set in being an engineer or doing well in accounting or teaching, but are you giving him the glory? Yeah. He made you. And to answer that question, when someone asks you, who are you? Why are you here? Is the foundation because, because Jesus? Something to think about. Verse 17. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. I want to focus a bit on this. And in him all things hold together. There's, I don't know who of you have listened to Louis Giglio's sermon about um, laminin. It's very special, but I'm going to give it away now. So laminin is a, a glycoprotein adhesive. In our, it's, it's in our bodies, obviously, and it, let me read you the definition. Laminin are large cell adhesive glycoproteins that are required for the formation and the function of the basement membranes, which is your skin. He holds everything together. This is a protein looking like that. Okay? And you might say, okay, anyone can draw a protein in, in, in a cross. Okay? So you can go to the next slide, Jurgens. So that is actually the, the microscopic picture of laminin, which is the glue of your skin. It's an, a glycoprotein adhesive in the form of a cross. It's amazing. Colossians says that in him all things hold together. And John Piper is saying, he's saying that he literally holds it together. John not exploding. It's amazing. Eh? God could have used any shape for, for laminin. He could have made a circle, could have used a triangle. He made a cross. I think he has some humor. It's, it's not necessarily in the Bible, but it's very special for me to think that God is really holding us together. He made us with very much precision. Specifically, if he's chosen you to be here. Exactly you. And he's not worn out about, uh, by doing this. He holds everything together. Okay, verse 18. Let's go on. And Jesus was, uh, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We did discuss a bit a while ago that he is the head of the body. No, he is the head of our church. We should submit under him. He is the beginning, also the firstborn. What does this, this firstborn mean now? This is referencing to 1 Corinthians, which reads the following. 1 Corinthians, Corinthians 5, from verse 21, which says, For as by a man came death, and by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. And then verse 22 says, For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ we shall be made alive. 
Okay, so he's the first one that made us alive from sin. He made us alive and restores us to the glory. And one day all of us, if we believe, as Colossians in the end says, we will be restored, we will be resurrected from this death of sin, from the hold of sin. Okay, so and that's what this means. He is the first one that's going to restore us. We, we, we know also from this that it does not mean the normal firstborn from dead because Lazarus was raised from the dead. There was a few people in the Bible that was raised before Jesus from the, the physical death. Okay. All right, so let's go to verse 19. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Beautiful. And there it gives the uppercut. It gives the last final antibiotics. If you were doubting about anything here, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. From the beginning. Now that word dwell means a permanent dwell, a permanent residency. Um, in, in those days also some of them thought that the Spirit of God came onto Jesus when he was baptized and then he left again when, when he was crucified, which is not the case. This word dwell means permanent. Okay. It means that he was there from the beginning. He created the whole creation. Okay. A permanent dwelling. He was fully God. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And here is where this really gets truly amazing. This God that created you decided to die for you. In order for us to live. Amen. This is where it gets to the heart. And therefore he should get the supremacy of every breath in our lungs. He should deserve the glory that we just sang. So when we sing a song like you are worthy of it all. This is what it means. Now. You are really worthy of it all. This is what should be in the back of our minds. He created you for him. You deserve the glory, Jesus. He came to reconcile to himself all things. He was the offended party, not us. He came to rescue us without sinning. He didn't deserve it. And we were once alienated, verse 21, and hostile in mind. We were saved from this being alienated. And hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. We were saved. If we think of families being alienated from, from each other. I, I met someone in the week. He was on the streets. And I asked him, how did you get here? And he said that he came from Joburg. His brother said that he could live with him. And he told him that he, now that he's here, he doesn't want anything to do with him. He's alienated from his brother. We were alienated from God. Amen. That's what it means. It, we, were, we were far from God and yet he came so that we can have a relationship with him. 
What kind of mercy? A merciful God. We are now holy above reproach. And let's read verse 22. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. And then this word if, it's important. If is a conditional statement. Eh? It says that whatever was said, this needs to happen what's coming. Eh? If you indeed continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. That is a requirement. Your faith needs to be stable, not shifting. Why is Paul writing this? Why did God put this in the Bible? Because he knew that our faith sometimes is unstable. It's unsteadfast, shifting between the things of the world. This is what, what Paul is addressing. He's saying that Christ is supreme. He, he deserves the glory. And what happens when we do not give Christ the glory? When we do not give Jesus all the praise? We give something else to praise. And we are, we are giving something else the place of Jesus in our hearts. Why Paul is written, the invisible God. Everything that is visible, be careful. Ne? Whether it's good things, maybe it's, it's your career, maybe it's your, your wife or your husband, maybe it's your job, maybe you're, you're worshipping your job unintentionally. It's how the, the enemy comes with small lies doesn't give you a big fat lie in the beginning. It gives you a small lie. Just make this one thing more important than God. So I want to end off for us and I want to end off with this. Let's reflect just a bit. Just there where you are. I'm going to ask us to stand up. I just want, to, want you to close your eyes and think about this for a moment. Are you busy putting something else on the throne of your life? If our lives are unstable and unsteadfast, it means that our hope is in something else. Because Jesus is the steadfast one. He is the one that gives hope. Amen. So let's, let's just, there where you are, just close your eyes. Let's just have, to have an honest prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit really to show you when you go through your life, think of your life through the week as you are going to work, as you are living your life. How do you approach Jesus being the King of, of your heart? How does your life look practically when you put Jesus on the throne of your heart? When you feel that you are maybe emotionally on a roller coaster, 
your hope may be in something that is not Jesus. He is stable. He gives us hope. When we have the correct view about Jesus, our lives will look a certain way. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you, Lord, for being Lord, for being fully God, Lord. It is what was needed for our sins to be taken away, for you to die on the cross, Lord. We want to live a, th a thankful life, Lord. Say, Lord, a life that gives you all the glory. Not some of it, but everything. How does it look different? Just there where you are, just ask the Lord, how does it look different for you to put God, to put Jesus fully on the throne of your life? Lord, we are just praying for hearts, Lord, that, that this may be turned away from you where we lost focus. We just want to say that we, we really want to give you all the glory. We really want to put you back on the throne. We are sinful, Lord. We make mistakes. But we are turning back to you. Thank you that you are fully God, Lord. Thank you that you are supreme above all things. And thank you, Lord, that you made each one here, Lord, with a specific purpose, Lord, to give you all the glory. We ask that you lead us. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. We are going to be a couple here in front. Please, if you want to pray with someone, I, I suggest just turning to one another, just praying together, just saying this is something that it's, it's busy in my heart. Just pray for one another. If you feel that you want to come to the front, please do. And if you are going to leave, please grab yourself a cup of coffee. Enjoy the evening. <laughs>